Watch Commander Carmichael glared down at the logistical nightmare on his desk. He quite understood that there had to be a peace conference for what the Germans were calling the Twenty-Year War. But he couldn't understand why anyone thought it was a good idea to hold it in London. All these heads of state and foreign ministers. All these meetings. All these security services with their own ideas, who would need to be treated carefully while the actual security for the whole event fell heavily onto the shoulders of Carmichael and the watch. He looked up with relief when Lieutenant Commander Jacobson came in, a parcel neatly wrapped in plastic in his hand. Sergeant Evans was on his way to bring you this, and I intercepted it on my way, he said, putting the parcel on the corner of Carmichael's desk. Just some books, Carmichael said, not reaching for the parcel. He had sent Evans down to Hatchards to pick up anything new on Byzantium, in the hope it would be some consolation for Jack. Jack was unhappy, as usual, because Carmichael didn't have enough time to spend with him, and because they never got to do anything together. Jack was especially unhappy because he wanted a holiday in Greece or Turkey, to see his precious Byzantine remnants for himself. Carmichael had been forced to say he couldn't get away until September at the earliest and then had offered him Italy, which was safer and possible. Jack had objected that they had been to Italy before. To Carmichael it was all the same. Sunshine, Mediterranean food, dusty ruins, rough wine, olive trees. Only Jack cared which ruins they were. Carmichael sometimes thought they lived in different worlds. In his world, there was an insurrection going on in Greece— and the Turks had done an awful lot worse than sacking Byzantium since. I don't want to interrupt, but there are a few things, Jacobson said. I'm glad to be interrupted. I'm working on the blasted conference, and I can't see how to do it without more men, and that's with calling in the Met, and the Met are being irritating as usual. Close the door and sit down. Yes, sir, Jacobson said, and turned to the door. It was a heavy oak door, like all the doors in the watchtower, designed to swing on a touch and not to let sound escape. Like many things about the watch, they were designed to intimidate, but had more than one use. Once you were safely inside, you knew nobody outside the room could listen. Irish consignment get off all right? Carmichael asked, once the door was safely shut. Like clockwork, Jacobson assured him, sitting down on the other side of the desk. Biggest one yet, and not a ripple. Carmichael smiled with relief. Every time I worry. Oh, the Irish will do anything to stick it to the Brits, Jacobson said. Anything up to and including accepting our unwanted Jews, anti-Semitic though they might otherwise be. And we have the transport down to a routine by now. But it's going to be a damn sight harder when the Gravesend facility gets finished. I kept saying that it wasn't economic for us to have our own death camp, which is an argument that usually gets their attention, but the Prime Minister himself was insistent that we needed it. He winced at the word, though, kept saying, Prison for intransigence and facility. Carmichael sighed. I don't know how we're going to get around it. Do you think Normanby's envisioning an increase? Jacobson asked, looking worried. A general round-up, like in 1955?